Hello, Lee County. On today's show, our guest is Mark Dunaway. He's a cybersecurity teacher at Dunbar High School, but he's also a Navy commander who helped hunt down Somali pirates. We talk about that, his experience working for the NSA, and he also gives tips on how you can help protect yourself from hackers who want to steal your identity. I'm Adam Wright, and this is the Lee Schools TV Podcast. Mark, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for the invite. So we're going to get into some cybersecurity stuff a little bit later, but first I want to talk about your background because you have a really cool background. Uh, you are a commander in the United States Navy Reserves. You've been in the Navy since 1987, so uh, 32 years of service. Yep. And uh, I want to talk about that because so you're a commander. It's just below captain, right? Uh, that's, yeah, that's hopefully my next step that I'll be taking, but we'll see what Big Navy thinks about it. <laughs> so let's talk about how you got into the Navy. So basically, I was prior enlisted, of course, boot camp, September 13, 1987. So I just hit my 32-year mark. It's pretty exciting. I never thought I would do it this long, but my 426 mile at North High was not good enough for a scholarship, and... Uh, Due to personal reasons at home, uh, a Navy recruiter kind of changed my life for the better. It's the smartest decision I made by uh, joining and doing what I've done. Uh, after that, of course, um, you know, the GI Bill, I was eyeing that for the, the college money, if you will, and that's paid huge dividends with, uh, with both a bachelor's and a master's degree, no money out of pocket. And uh, September, uh, the year 2000, uh, they opened up uh, some more officer ranks, if you will. So we put it in my package and I was selected as an ensign and it just really took off after that. So what were the what were your first few years like in the Navy and how did you make your way up to commander? Um, well, they told me I was going to be a cryptologist and I was super excited. I didn't really know what that meant, but I figured it sounds great. The school was in Pensacola. So uh, when I first started out, I was really just copying Morse code. And I'm like, this is cryptology, but, you know, it is what it is. Did, and did, you, did you know Morse code? I knew none of it. So no. you just learn it in what we call A school. So off to boot camp I go, you graduate, and then you you take a Greyhound bus forever and a day to Pensacola. And uh, for 10 months, you kind of learn your trade. So we started out with Morse code, and I got into what's known as HFDF. It's high-frequency direction finding. And so not just from the Morse code element into the short burst transmissions and I think we'll leave it at just that. And then I started work with the Air Force Marburg in San Vito, Italy. So they figured they got a, a hot runner here. He's got this down. Let's see, throw something else at him. And this, I was like 19 years old, uh, living in San Vito, Italy. My wife following me out there and all. And uh, it just kind of grew into what we know, I guess, is cybersecurity today with uh, just from the enlisted ranks to what I did as an ensign, a JG, and then this, uh, the mission we did on my MOB for uh, the Somali pirates in Djibouti. And then that's where I really got into the cyber aspect to everything uh, on that mobilization. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Uh, Somali pirates, what, what were you doing in Djibouti? Uh, basically, as you saw on the news back then, this was uh, 2012. They were pretty much all over uh, the Horn of Africa, if you will. And I was tasked with, uh, as a cybersecurity analyst, 
with the um, joint it's called the Joint Task Force uh, HOA for Horn of Africa, and I work with uh, the J39, if you will, uh, our J codes for joint, and um, work very closely with the uh, Africom headquarters in uh, Germany, and we would geolocate the bad guys, if you will, following the money, and. Uh, and doing just that. <laughs> yeah, I know you have to be... I see to be real careful what I say, careful, but basically, yeah. Some of the stuff is yes, sir. classified yeah. or, you know, you can't really talk about. So, you know, for people who may not be familiar, uh, this, you know, the Somali pirates, This, if you've seen the movie Captain Phillips, right? We're talking yes. uh, the movie with Tom Hanks. Uh, they... What kind of things were these Somali pirates doing out there? Well, they would, they would capture these merchant vessels and other countries were paying. So uh, they would actually do airdrops of money to get their vessels back and, you know, play underway. And then so other companies, they started arming themselves. And the Alabama Maersk incident, like you mentioned, um, I was actually out on the USS Bainbridge. So I got to see all of that, how it went down. And the, uh, the linguist that worked with us was a Somali national. And we won't I guess his name was out there. So Nemo was his name, and uh, he was our linguist, and I worked with him in Djibouti uh, even after all of that went down. He just kind of proved his worth and what we were paying him, if you will. And uh, just like I said, following the money was my trail, and then, um, you know, just geolocating. Uh, I want to say following him on Twitter because they would brag on social media. How do I become the America's top 10 most wanted? Really? And I'm like, keep doing this, you know, because I'm on the other side and just blending in. And uh, again, we had to uh, vet our targets in reference to, you know, who was a pirate, who's just bragging to be a pirate. And like I said, following the money. So, you know, these aren't pirates in the, uh, you know, stereotypical use of the word. So they don't have eye patches and no. <laughs> wooden legs and all that. But so, but these are dangerous people. Oh, absolutely. So they would, they would ride up close to ships and board yeah. them with So with basically we and... called it our anti-piracy mission. So they were a lot of um, Al-Qaeda of East Africa operatives and another group known as Al-Shabaab. And I'm sure you could Google that. And yeah. I don't want to go too much more, but sure. that was, those were their cover names for that. And you said you were on what? The ship? USS Bainbridge. And what kind of ship was that? Uh, basically, that was the one that came to the rescue to the Alabama Maersk, and they had a Navy SEAL team fly out there, you know, drop the fantail, if you will, and, and and you can see the movie, and I don't want to go into too much detail, but I know the linguist that we had on board uh, was negotiating back and forth with the pirates as, you know, we kind of draw them in. It's just the movie depicted pretty, pretty clearly, I think. So you were... Am I following this right? You were on the ship that rescued Captain Phillips? It was after the fact. So oh, okay. they had already done this mission, and then we were oh, okay. tasked with, you know, let's not let this happen again kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they come in through uh, the port when they pulled in. Captain, um, well, Commander Greg, excuse me, is the one who sent me out there with our MISO department. So we, I work very closely with an Army element because um, we were individual augmentees where the Army would mobilize as a core unit. So all 13 of them knew each other. And then the Navy shows up doing what our specialities are. And uh, we kind of looked like the same uniform and they called me Major Dunaway and I just, I got tired of correcting them. So I think I was a major for about a year in Africa. <laughs> so these guys would literally brag on Twitter? Uh, Twitter, social media, uh, stuff like that, yes. And they didn't realize that that was a bad idea? 
I guess they didn't know what we were doing on our ends as far as monitoring and tracking. So how much uh, success did you have in, in tracking some of these people? Well, you don't hear about them too much anymore, so I'd like <laughs> to say we did a pretty good job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you ever come, you know, face-to-face -face with any? Or uh, we would kind uh, of not, I mean, like I said, we would go to the uh, the UN compound in Somalia, and we'd have a mission, say, in Kenya. And uh, but face to face with pirates, no. Yeah. Uh, and so, how long were you were you doing that? It for? was a thirteen month deployment, mm -hmm. uh, and came back, and Dunbar magically took me back. I thought I'd probably lose the job because I was only there one year, and it got tagged for a mob. It was my third mobilization, so uh, that's unfortunately, I mean, or good, right? Depends on how you look at it. But I've had three mobs in my uh, naval career. And that's helped me earn the rank of commander. And like I said, I'm up for captain in January. So hopefully, you know, the Navy lives in a world of what have you done for me lately? And hopefully they see all the history of what I've done and proven my worth. And yeah, good luck with hope with they that. make the right decision, right? So three mobilizations in your, so that was one. Uh, yeah. What were the other two? So I was a defense attache uh, at an embassy in Slovenia. Uh, this was uh, right after September 11th attack. I was working at um, Diplomat Elementary School at the time, and that was my first MOBE, and I came off of it, and um, lots we could talk about maybe off air, <laughs> but uh, just amazing assignment working with, um, it was pretty much um, the CONUS Replacement Center. Everyone going boots on ground to Iraq, Afghanistan, they came through my shop, and uh, they were, I was known as the Iraqi Survey Group, if you will. The ISG is what we had called it. And I was at the Pentagon uh, shortly. And then uh, DIA, Defense Intelligence Head, uh, Headquarters, at Bowling Air Force Base, and then ultimately in Slovenia as a defense attache working those missions there. And uh, again, lots of jobs opened up for me. After that, uh, Diplomat did take me back. And then not even... Four or five years later, I was mobilized again, and uh, I worked uh, out of Fort Gordon, the area of responsibility, doing Iraq-Afghan missions. So how, where, where, where are you originally from? You said you went to North Fort Myers High School? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Uh, so are you from was, Lee County? I was born in Geneva, New York, okay. and I was raised here in Fort Myers. I moved to Florida when I was seven, and uh, just went through all of Lee County schools from Tropic Isles to Calusa, graduated north. And now I'm working at Dunbar, and it's just one of, you know, like I said, it's one of the best jobs I've had because I never thought I could be teaching cybersecurity to high school kids. Yeah. And let alone just, like I said, using all the skills I've learned through the Navy and the education I've received from them to share uh, with the students that I have today, following the curriculum, yet adding to it where I can. So you joined the Navy in 87. When did you first get into teaching? Um... I graduated uh, USF in 96, May of 96, and uh, it's before my commissioning, so I was still enlisted. Um, I was working at the Lee County Sheriff's Department at the time, going through school, and then I got hired. Uh, first school was, uh, it was Suncoast Elementary at the time, now known as North Fort Myers Academy of the Arts, and I got hired about Halloween time, 1996, excuse me. And so I was there for a couple of years and ended up at Diplomat after that. 
And what did you teach? At, uh, I, uh, you didn't I was teach cybersecurity. No, I was an elementary school teacher, uh, first grade, okay. and then diplomat gave me a crack at um, K one loops. So I'd teach kindergarten, following them on to first grade, and then back to kindergarten. I did that a couple times. And you've been at Dunbar since 2011, is that right? 2011 was my first year. And I get, like I said, I, I made it one year and got tagged for my third MOBE. And I was worried. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose this position because I wasn't teaching cyber at the time. It was just the CompTIA A-plus class, like introduction to information technology. But I enjoyed it. And then they gave me some um, Adobe classes to teach while I was doing Dreamweaver Flash and Photoshop, and they were developing web pages. So I was just kind of getting my feet wet and really enjoying it. And then off to Djibouti I went. So, so, so how does I mean? I think I have a general understanding of how the reserves mm -hmm. works, but um, could you educate us a little bit on how exactly it works when you're in the the reserves? Right. So historically, it's one week in a month, two weeks a year. But I I don't feel I'm your traditional drilling reservist because of my background. Uh, we have a lot of money when it comes to um, Iraqi Enduring Freedom. You know, you get those titles and uh, in the missions that I've worked on. I was the XO in Greensboro at the time, so I was always affiliated with Augusta, Georgia. And so, um, you know, the MOBs come and, you know, they just like very few people do, I guess, what I do in reference to cybersecurity. And so we're kind of a small community. So when I came off the MOBE from Africa, um, I was selected for my first commanding officer tour in Salt Lake City. And so thank you, Mr. Birdside, for allowing me to take that position because there's no fast way home on a drill weekend. So I would usually fly out on Fridays and I'd take the red eyes home Sunday, getting into Atlanta at like say 6.30, 7 o'clock, and then ultimately here back in Fort Myers by we'll say lunchtime, depending on, you know, layovers, if you will. And I always took Mondays off. But then in this position as a commanding officer, drill weekends never end on Sunday. So we do a lot of um, site visits, if you will. I was going to Hawaii uh, back and forth quite a bit in that time frame. I was the CEO there for two years and got five free trips out of the Hawaii out of the deal. So you collect a check, obviously. And uh, like I said, that's the glory of working for someone like Mr. Burnside. He's very supportive of uh, the military. And not I wasn't. no one's looking to be mobilized. But when I was mobbed, that was a difficult phone call for me to make because I wasn't sure how he's going to be receptive toward it. You know, brand new teacher. I was still trying to prove myself, if you will, to him. And then off I go to Somalia. And so, he was super cool about it? Well, of course. But, I mean, very supportive, family first. He's that kind of principal and just very concerned with the family. And I remember uh, before I even went, something happened over there with the Navy SEAL team. And he contacted me, hey, are you okay? Did you know any of those guys? And I just was kind of taken back by it because I hadn't even left yet. Uh, so it was still sinking in. I, You know, they try and give us a, a good window of, hey, you're going to deploy in September. And I think it was April when I found out. So I had a, a couple months to so they uh, could, plan. So they could call you at any time and say, hey, we need you? My dwell time is up, so absolutely I could be mobilized. What's, uh, what's dwell time? Uh, so once you're mobilized, they're supposed to leave you alone for five years. Oh, wow. In the Navy terminology, they call it dwell time. Okay. <laughs> and once your dwell time is up, then you're you're available for another mobilization. Okay. We're like the insurance policy, I guess, if you will. Yeah. You know, and they cash us in when they when they can. 
And um, again, my unit, I've got three sailors right now that are all mobilized, one of them in Djibouti. So we send care packages and I can speak to that because I had been there, done that kind of thing. And uh, it's just uh, a family environment, if you will, even for me as the commanding officer, because, you know, I've I've received those phone calls of getting mobilized and now I'm the one making them. Mm. So I know where they come from, from a family perspective and what it means to your civilian job. And it's, it's a tough assignment. It's very isolated, but it can be rewarding. You just make the best of it. And you know, because you're a cybersecurity expert, you've also worked uh, for the NSA, right? Correct. The National Security Agency. Yes. So people hear that, a lot of them probably think, first thing, Edward Snowden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so what did you do with the NSA? Um, I first joined... Uh, I say joined. It was my first assignment was in 1995, and I was assigned there. I was a second-class petty officer, and it's the first time I had worked, you know, walked the halls, if you will, of NSA, and you go there, uh, Columbia, Maryland, you see the building, and they had me down in the catacombs doing, you know, Navy cryptologic stuff, and um, once you're in the halls of NSA, you really never escape it, especially if you got certain skill sets that they like. They like to harness that and uh, keep utilizing your skills. No matter where you go, we have um, NSA terminals. So like when I was in Greensboro, North Carolina, the Skipper in Salt Lake, now currently in Minneapolis, uh, we have NSA drops, so they can always reach out and touch us. Can you tell us anything about what you did last for the NSA? Um, we did a mission this summer. Uh it was, uh, I'm trying to think how I can word this, <laughs> but basically uh, Russians came up with a hack and what they were going to do during our next election, and we kind of counter that, and we use a lot of open source information trying to identify um, posts, if you will, on social media, and, you know, did it originate? Because, again, we have to follow UCID 18 violation. If, I, if it's an American citizen, I cannot copy anything like that. If it's something illegal, I can always turn it over to the FBI or something like that. But I really can't go into details because of, we'll say the Edward Snowden clause. I mean, there's a use of 18 uh, that we are uh, by to by, and we just have to follow those rules. So when we can say this post originated from Moscow, Vladivostok, or Rovno, then we tag that as obviously this was Russian made. And when they post that on a social media site, I like to say weak-minded Americans believe what they see and then they tag it and share it and then it spreads like wildfire. So we just, we identify where these are coming from and why they do it. You know, who knows? It's it's above my pay grade, but we are tasked to uh, find the, we'll say the, the Russian link to it all. So you're right in the thick of the, Still today. The fight between the U.S. and Russia with all this election hacking stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm in the middle of that, yeah, yeah. me and the folks that work for me. So what, I mean, how, if can you put into words, like, how serious of an issue this is that maybe a lot of people don't realize? Uh, well, they're not, like, hacking our election, changing votes, but they'll post stuff out there in social media that people believe, whether it's about, you know, a Democratic or a Republican candidate and, you know, you can't always believe everything you read and see. And they disguise themselves as it, Americans? You, know, you can create a, a, a Facebook account pretty easily, and you can say you're you know, 21 years old, you could be 14, you know, so. Yeah. 
I don't know how, to, how delicate to be with the Snowden thing, but do you have any thoughts on on what, what happened there? <laughs> uh, well, they made a movie of that as well, <laughs> as, as uh, accurate as that was. But he was actually out in Hawaii when I was a skipper in Salt Lake City. He was one of the contractors out there. Uh, I never personally met him, but he was in the same building that I worked in. And just the fact that how he... I mean, we sign contracts. I can't write a book. I can't do this. I can't do that in reference to, you know, information that we do on the NSA net. And uh, he openly took it on a daily basis and posted it, mm. as you know, on WikiLeaks. Yeah. So uh, I know he's his visa is about to expire. He's looking for uh, another country to go to. And if you are innocent, please come back to the U.S. and improve it. But. I, I know differently, so. Okay, so let's talk about uh, what you do at Dunbar High School. Mm -hmm. So you teach cybersecurity to high school students, and you've been doing that for how many years now? Um, we started Aruba Networks program probably five years ago, and then cybersecurity became a pilot last year with Project Lead the Way, and pretty much it's, a, it's an amazing sandbox that we play in, and we would build firewalls, if you will, uh, I've got the way my classroom is set up. I know you guys have filmed in there before. And so four students can work together and build a firewall, and the four across the room can build their firewall. And um, that's what we were doing today, actually. And um, the next lesson, we'll try and do pen testing, if you will. So can you, can you explain what a firewall is? So, yeah, basically, it's your first line of defense. So if you're a, a, a business, a small-owned business, and you want to protect the integrity of your Internet, say your uh, people go in and they show up and they fill up shopping cart, and then they want to buy this, they want to buy that, and then when you go to checkout, you're exchanging credit card information to mail it in a secure environment, hopefully. And so we teach all my students, you know, the difference between port 80 and port 443, whether it's HTTP, like your open internet, and then HTTPS, which you get that secure shell and gives the encryption. And so my students actually build business models, and they give me floor plans, you know, what's the purpose of the business, and, you know, protecting client information, say, your customers. And so there's laws out now where they're holding businesses liable for identity theft, and obviously it's the worst thing that can happen to someone. And so that's the purpose of the firewall to, you know, protect the identity of your customers and clients. So you're teaching them how to build firewalls and a lot more advanced stuff than that, right? Uh, yeah, there's certain cyber tools that we use within this uh, controlled environment with Project Lead the Way. And uh, they definitely get to interact uh, with one another in that way. So, like, if they penetrate the firewall, I go high-five the team that did it. But then I'll turn to the ones that let them in, like, what happened? So I'm kind of the bad guy. So you got you teach them how to build a firewall mm -hmm. and teach them how to hack into it? Pretty much, yeah. We cover white hat, black hat, and gray hat hacking as part of the Project Lead the Way. And then uh, coming up in a couple months, we're going to do a cybersecurity. Uh, it's a national competition called Cyber Patriot, and it'll be our second go at it this year. And last year's squad did phenomenal, so we're hoping for... Same results, if not better. Yeah, so uh, 
I came out and did a story on it yes, at the end of the last school year. It's on our YouTube channel. <clears throat> uh, if you want to check it out, called Cyber Patriots. You can find it. And you guys did phenomenal, like you said last year. Your team, first year entering the competition. Correct. And you guys came in first place in the state of Florida. Yes, sir. And third place in, in the nation. In the country, yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> so tell us about the, the Cyber Patriot competition. What so, do they do? Yeah, so the competition, uh, it's going to kick off again this year. Um, it's, again, a controlled environment. You can't download the image until, say, 10 a.m. of the weekend that it starts. So uh, the first competition will be October 25th. So Sorry, do you do you, uh, do you and the team travel somewhere? No, no, do we do it right from Dunbar High School. Other schools are doing it. I know I'm coaching a team out of South Fort Myers High School this year. They're JROTC. And they're actually going to do a field trip to Dunbar October 3rd coming to us because my lab is just phenomenal. I know you have seen it. And so I'll download these images and I'll team up some South Fort Myers High students and Dunbar together collectively. And uh, I can't really teach it on, hey, this is how you do it because it's a competition. We don't want to be accused of cheating, but we can do that controlled environment where, like I said, the images would start at, say, 10 a.m. You can download all of the images. There's an Ubuntu image, a Cisco image, and then a Windows image. And so when you say image, what are you talking about? So on the tower, you know how you're downloading software, if you will? You're downloading this particular, whether Cisco, Ubuntu, or Windows, and that is your project you're going to do for the competition, and it's a six-hour window in reference to not just finding the hacker, but installing packet tracers and uh, doing all the steps that uh, Northrop Grumman uh, puts out, because they're the company that uh, will say they're the biggest sponsor. And uh, it's once our images are done in that six hour window, we submit everything and then we have to delete everything off our towers. You can't keep it. So the team gathers and so basically they've got their time. They have us, they've got six hours, six hours to yes find the hacker and eliminate it and that's basically, just report on it. Okay. Yeah, basically. And, um, it's just, it's a really great learning experience for them. And it's again, uh, several schools across, across the country participate. And, uh, I had learned about it late. So we didn't do practice rounds last year. We got in round two practice. So we were a silver tier squad with, you know, we're a little bit behind the eight ball in reference to that. But, um, I, this was my third year with the students. So I had them as sophomores teaching the CompTI Net Plus, and we did Cisco routers and switches as part of the curriculum. And then their junior year, I had them in Aruba Networks, which is, you know, access points, setting up local area networks. Their business model is really amplified because I give them the access point that they provision and broadcast right there from my classroom. And then cybersecurity was their senior year, and that's the squad that took first place and third in the country. And so they had three years, I think, a good experience to where when we downloaded these images, it wasn't the first time they'd ever seen something like that. So, uh, so it was their first year entering this competition. I think I remember you telling me, you know, when I came out to the school and, and interviewed you about the competition, I think you, you kind of went into that kind of say, oh, it's our first year. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. Didn't have too much, uh, too high of expectations for the team. And then to find out, you know, you guys came in first in the state and then you went on to yeah. come in third nationally. You know, what was that like? Right. <clears throat> well, I always have high expectations for them, but I didn't know how well they would actually do because I know as the teacher what I taught and what they knew, but they have to work together as a team. I mean, six hours. It's, you know, so I got plenty of Starbucks on standby. 
you got just kind of, you know, like a Leonard bring in snacks, but just keep them, keep them motivated. But uh, it's very uh, a stringent schedule. As you saw in the video, you interviewed some of the students describing how they feel. Because as a teacher, I'm loving it. Because, again, it's like an NSA watch floor to me. It's like, okay, have we found him yet? And I really don't have the answers because, again, I can't teach it ahead of time. So when we download that image, it's the first time I'm seeing it as well. So, And that's the competition, though. Six-hour window starts. Once you download the image and engage it, you enter your Cisco code, if you will, the clock starts. So how? So you're able to be there with them? Absolutely. How much are you able to kind of coach? Well, I'm just the coach. So I make sure, you know, I give them the right directions and this is what you're looking for. And I just spell it out that way. But to side saddle with them and show them, no, you need to click this. There's a hidden message. There's a little cryptology involved. Um, I I can't do that part, but it's entertaining to watch because I know what it is, but I'm like, they're so close and you've got to bite your tongue. But, and that's, again, they're just uh, students learning a trade. And uh, for if they don't go off to college right away, I think these are great uh, lessons learned. And I do write letters of recommendation for them. And three of the team members that took first and third, uh, they're all at Florida Polytech together and they're roommates. They actually called me last Wednesday. That's awesome. So they remember me. They appreciated what we did and they still talk about it. They wear their Cyber Patriot shirts. They all got coins and... uh, I just think they took a lot away from that. So, again, I'm looking forward to doing it again with the juniors that are now seniors this year and then my new students uh, in Aruba Networks. We'll throw them at it. So I want to talk about, like you said, they're learning an important trade. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of uh, career opportunities can they, you know, get into uh, knowing cybersecurity and things like that? And is it something that, uh, you know, they should – go to college for, or is it something that they can, you know, can a lot of them get jobs right right out of high school if they're skilled enough? No, if they could get into college, I say go. (laughs) You know, um, I had one student years ago, he got a full ride. I believe it was Florida Polytech, but by Christmas time, um, I think it was Booz Allen Hamilton, they had offered him a job in the McDill Air Force Base area. Anyway, I think he was dating an Air Force girl at the time, so he took the job, dropped out of school. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'll go back. I'll go back. I promise. And uh, he eventually did. But um, so, yeah, the jobs are there right out of the workforce. But I always advocate going off to college and doing that. And uh, cybersecurity is not going away. I think it's going to be huge, huge jobs just, uh, you know, now and in the near future. Like all banks are always hiring because you want to make sure you want to hire an outside source, maybe do some pen testing to make sure that all of their accounts are squared away. But you know, it only takes some phishing to shoot an email to the entire bank employee. Hey, we're updating our software today. I need you to log in with your username and profile. and We're enhancing our security measures today. Someone's bound to fall for it. Hopefully it's training your employees so that doesn't happen. But that's a lot of how they get in. Yeah, we have to do some some training here at yes, the district <laughs> about phishing scams and things mm-hmm. like that and, you know, what not to do and don't answer this email if you get right. something like that and everything. And they make it look so real. So, you know, it's just it's training your employees and here training my students and I say their grandparents. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, the military is one avenue that your students can can go down and uh, mm-hmm. big big private sector mm-hmm. job opportunities for them as well, working for big corporations, yeah. protecting their you know, cybersecurity. Yeah, and a lot of it, not just here locally, but like I said, at McDill Air Force Base, they're they're always hiring. And if, you know, you got 
<clears throat> no college experience, but again, these um, I help them with their resumes. You know, we do resume skill building, and they list all their industry certifications. I have a senior now; he's got 15 industry certs, and not just CompTIA and Cisco, but he's got some really, really good ones. And we are offering an ethical hacker certification this year at Dunbar as well. I haven't had a student take it yet. I took it this summer. It's challenging, but it's an obtainable goal. If uh, if they focus hard and study, they can probably pull it off. What's an ethical hacker? Uh, basically, your company is hacked, right? And uh, it's not a retaliatory hack, but you're uh, you're pen testing the bank. So I'm going to try and crack into, say, Bank of Bianco in Miami and take $10,000 out of account and then tell them how I did it. I'm not keeping the money, kind of giving it back. So that'll show them where they are weak in their firewall procedures, if you will. Gotcha. Um, so obviously, you know, hackers target, you know, banks, big companies, corporations, how, how dangerous are hackers to, you know, the everyday person, obviously everybody, you know, most people mm -hmm. work with a bank, so their money and information is, is in there. So if the bank got hacked, they could, their personal finances could kind be in protected. trouble. But, uh, as far as like individual identity theft or things like that, you know, how serious of a problem is that in your opinion? So, because, you know, a lot of people are always like, you know, myself included, mm -hmm. oh, you know, that'll never happen to me. It happens to other people. Until well, it could, it could stem as something as easy as a Facebook post. You got uh, not just high school, it could be college or whatever, but they're going on a, uh, a cruise to Mexico. And you post everything on social media so everyone knows you're out of town. And so a hacker could see that and contact grandma because they know the address book there and say, hey, grandma, send a message as the child. Hey, grandma, I'm stuck in Mexico. I'm being detained. Please send money, yada, yada. And grandma, not knowing innovator, sends the $500 or whatever and then's all worried about the granddaughter. Why hasn't she called yet? They get back from the cruise and grandma's in tears hugging her. Are you okay? She's like, what are you talking about? Didn't even know. So it's something like that. So it's just really training community members because that, that happens a lot, obviously. So, yeah, I've heard that. So don't post travel plans well, <laughs> until after you get it's back. It's hard to Good tell idea. teenagers yeah. that. But again, because it's like when we went to Paris, we were happy to be there. We're taking pictures of the Louvre. And, uh, you know, but I was living in Africa at the time. So I was really happy to be in Paris. And my daughter was, uh, I think she was a sophomore year at UF in Gainesville. So, uh we were just as guilty, but, you know, who's watching our account? You know, which I don't think we were posting anything too crazy, but now everyone knows the Dunaways are on vacation in Paris, France, and their house is wide open, you know. Any other uh, tips, you know, easy things that people can do or not do to protect yeah, their I, information? I pretty much tell my students when you go off to college, you're going to get these advertisements, hey, you know, for student loans, and you'll get them in the mail. Don't just throw them away, shred them because someone could find that, fill out the information, and know I live at this address now, and then they get the whatever credit card it is, and then it's a perfect signature because they all sign it as you know whoever threw it away, and then they can go out a shopping spree on your dime, and you don't know you're in debt till you go for maybe a student loan, and now you're $10,000 in debt because you, know, you didn't shred something maybe you should have. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just educating. Uh, our students and, like I said, their parents and grandparents today, which I think I do a pretty good job with. Is there anything uh, 
that you know that about hacking or cybersecurity that if you know if somebody learned you know something that would shock people about how prevalent it is or um, you know anything like that there I just know there's a lot of them out there mm-hmm. and uh, you just got to be real vigilant um, you know in, in just opening up an email because you know the, with the ransomware and it could look like it's from your best friend hey check out my pictures from the weekend you click on it and now they're in and they got all of your documents and they'll uh, hold them for ransom, if you will, for $500. You can get these back. And they're doing it to businesses, corporations, and whatnot. And there's there's a nice way you pay and get your get, get your files back, or there's a mean way, if you will. If you send it to 10 friends in your address book and they open up the file, I'll give you your stuff back for free. Mm-hmm. So they're just, they're evil, <laughs> and they're out there. And, and nothing's stopping them right yeah, now. Yeah, and it's a, it's a relatively new type of crime and like you said it's not going anywhere oh, anytime I, soon right? i think it's been around a while they're just getting really really sophisticated like when they send these messages from a bank it looks like it's coming from you know what i don't want to advertise any banks here but i know i mentioned the bank of bianco because it was safe it's miami but uh it they look so real so you you mentioned earlier that you ran a, a 426 mile yes so, and then you said that you didn't know anything about cybersecurity or cryptology or Morse code or anything like that until you entered the Navy. Yes. So what were you, you know, what were you like, uh, you know, as a kid, um, an athlete who liked to run, but I, you, did you have any interest in, in uh, cybersecurity or anything I was like a that? math guy. Yeah. I was, I was going to be my, I was a math major, of course, but um, I, I, I joined the Navy, I'm not going to lie, for the GI Bill. Because uh, I just financially, I knew without a scholarship, I probably couldn't pull it off. I'm sure that's... A reason that a lot of people yeah. join, right? Yeah. And I look at my students you know, that are going in the first-gen college students. You got X amount of loans. Well, I didn't know anything like that back in 1987. And so uh, walk-ons are best, the best I could do. So uh, like I said, it's the, a Navy recruiter changed my life, I believe, for the better. It's probably the smartest thing I did. And then you mature a little bit because being 18 and running off to whatever university, right? And uh, so I got that travel experience and lifelong learning skills before you actually, you know, go back as a, a 22 year old freshman, if you will. All right. Uh, very cool. And so is there anything else you wanted to talk about, uh, about yeah. what you're doing at Dunbar or any of your experience with cybersecurity or anything like that before we uh, move on? Oh, um, no, I think we covered it good. But like I said, I totally love my job at Dunbar. I've had uh, job offers with Raytheon around the country and and another uh, ready support services out of uh, Chantilly, Virginia. I just totally love what I'm doing here. And uh, I would like to, you know, continue on as long as I can, as long as it's still fun, you know, because I, I wake up in the morning, I enjoy going to work. I've I have zero behavior problems. I know cell phones are an issue in some classrooms, but uh, Dunbar, we've really cracked the code on uh, how to handle that in all classrooms. And Refson, just leave them in your book bag, put them to the front of the room, and uh, they just, they're not an issue. But kids will still grab them, of course. But I enjoy what I'm doing so far, so good. How big is the cybersecurity program at Dunbar? Like, how many uh, students do this, you have? Uh, that's the thing. We piloted it last year with only 30 students, 15 and 15 per class. So this year it's the same size. Okay. Yeah. I would love 20, 30. I don't know if I can do 30 kids, right? But uh, they're prerequisites, you know, to get in. So obviously you, I can't see a freshman taking the class. They, they need that background of the intro to IT. 
uh, just a little bit about taking a computer apart, putting it back together. And then here we're gonna build firewalls right out the gate. They need a little bit of exposure, but I can see doing it with sophomores, absolutely. Cool, well, uh, I think it's super interesting what you teach the students there and you know, best of luck in your upcoming oh, Cyber Patriots competition this year. We're rooting for you. And uh, yeah, so did you get my message about the five questions? I think, but I was so busy to right, well, read them, so, so shoot, you, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, Mark, what's your favorite book? I was growing up, I was a John Steinbeck fan, so I read a lot of that, and I had some great teachers at North High uh, that just kind of, you know, you got to read no matter what career you're going to go into, obviously. so that Steinbeck, was, is he Grapes of Wrath? Yes, he okay. is, absolutely. I haven't read it. Yeah. I saw a play. In college, I've not done any of the plays, but I've done all his books. So yeah. Do you have a favorite one of his? Uh, probably of Mice and Men, okay. uh, but yeah, Grapes of Wrath is good. But I just, uh, you know, and then you go off to college, and then you got to read it again. But like, oh, I've done this before, and then you know, I do better a second go at it. I guess. What is uh, what's of Mice and Men about? Putting you on the spot. Oh well, like I said, it just uh, it, it could be a sad story. It's the first time I read a story. You know, someone was murdered, mm. and as a teenager, you're like, "What the heck?" And you just don't I know, know how you react it. to it. I've heard of it, but I've never. Right. I don't know anything about it really. So, just... so I just today's like, there's so many movies, and and I'm not saying we're uh, desensitized from it, but back in the way when I grew up, that was the first depiction of it, as, oh, okay. of something like that. So, but when you're into the reading and. It just, uh, that was one of the books. That was one of my favorites. Okay. What's your favorite, you know, speaking of movies, what's your favorite movie or TV show? Oh, gosh. I'd probably go with Top Gun. I mean, I joined yeah. the Navy, right? <laughs> I wanted to be an air traffic controller. And when I saw the recruiter and he's like, man, your math scores are off the chart. You need to do cryptology. I'm like, what the heck is that? And he's going through the description. And I might have been listening a little bit. But what he said, he was like, the school's in Pensacola. I'm like, Pensacola? And that was it. Have I you seen the, the, the trailer for the, for the, for new, the new one? one? Yeah, I'm trying to figure that one out yeah, because it's you? it's been 30 years and he's a captain. Hey, maybe that's what I'll be. But I'll definitely see it. That was definitely. The footage, the footage looks amazing. Yeah. No, I would, uh, I plan on seeing it for sure. Because yeah. I'm not saying that's the movie that made me join the Navy, but I just thought it was kind of cool and, and that's what I did. So Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite song or a favorite musical artist? I was an 80s kid, so I don't know. Uh, I didn't go to too many concerts growing up, but uh, I know my wife and I, we did Huey Lewis in the News, and, and uh, I don't know, just like I said, all 80s music, is that's our genre, and our kids, uh, they could pass uh, a good uh, competition with 80s music because they listened to it with us as well. Growing About up. Uh, Righteous Brothers, Can't Stop That Loving Feeling? Yeah, that's Isn't part that of the movie. Top Gun it's reference. in the movie. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so was next question is favorite subject in school growing up was yours uh, math? mathematics hundred yeah. percent. Okay, Jeff, absolutely. Second favorite? Uh, I just loved math. It's one I made straight A's in, so I, I catered to that. Gotcha. But um, like I said, I had some great teachers at North High, but math was definitely my favorite subject, which tied in with cryptology, believe it or not, which is what got me this position. Because like I said. Uh, obviously, I'd, I wasn't an air traffic controller because if I said, hey, I want to do this and they let me, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation today. So, What was your favorite kind of math? Uh, all, I mean, yeah. just all of it. I mean, I've taught geometry before, but uh, just algebra, the trig, the calc, just you know, challenging the mind, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I was always a good math student growing up, and I, you know, I dug algebra. I liked geometry. Uh, trig I got and then once I hit calculus I was 
yeah. kind of kind of uh, done for me yeah. after <laughs> after I got into calculus. I wasn't a fan of the stats. I did do stats no, one and I two in college. Too, yeah. It was okay, but calc man. It might have been the me. teacher. I just I wasn't a fan, <laughs> but I had to take her twice. Uh, what's her name? No, I'm just kidding. Oh no! Uh, please don't do that to me. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Last question. If you could have dinner with anyone living or dead, who would it be and why? I'd say George Bush Jr. You yeah. know, uh, I uh, I was able to uh, have lunch with uh, Secretary Rumsfeld when I was working at the Pentagon at the time back in, I think it was February of 03. And I just remember that like yesterday. It was amazing. Some Peruvian restaurant in Virginia and uh, to sit down with him. Uh, even that close, I was living in the D.C. area and... Um, I just never got a White House tour, so let alone meet one. Yeah, so I've never met any sitting president. Mm. In but you my had, uh, but you sat down with Secretary Rumsfeld. Secretary Rumsfeld. Just the two of you, one on one. Uh, no, there was a defense attaché, and there was a little entourage. We met in the catacombs of the Pentagon, and off to lunch we went. After my mission, I completed in Slovenia. What's he like? Awesome. He was a big reader. Uh, he goes, hey, I hear you're a teacher, and just great conversation back and forth. And I was just in awe. I was just a lieutenant JG with all the bosses. I thought it meant jacket getter, to be honest with you. And I just, it was a miracle. I got to score that uh, lunch that afternoon. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it would be fascinating to talk with President Bush about, oh, absolutely. you know, after 9-11 mm-hmm. and, and, you know, dealing with all of that. That had to be yeah. insanely... Because I was watching the footage just, what, a couple weeks ago yeah, now the where he was in the elementary school, just his reaction, you know, and then piecing together his statement he was going to make. And and it affected my life deeply. Obviously, I was, you know, teaching elementary school at Diplomat, and the next thing you know, I'm, you know, off doing this. So, Yeah, it's crazy to think about, you know, all of our students in the school system now. Well, they were born even yet. alive yeah. Yeah, when that happened. <laughs> uh, all right, Mark Dunaway. Cybersecurity teacher at Dunbar High School. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a really fun podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. And good luck with everything with thanks. your captain promotion. Hopefully. January. And, uh, we'll see what, hopefully, the Navy makes the right decision, right? I'd right. love to make it. All right. Thanks, Mark, so much <laughs> yes, for sir. coming on. Thanks. And thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>